in Jesus name father help the world come and help us to help them Lord God this time of the year with this COVID thing going around even this the the big ministries are having a hard time getting uh, meals to feed people because of the COVID-19 thing Lord and and father there's going to be some hungry people out there and Lord we pray for them give them food father God and help your believers to to help that come to be. So, Father, to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Father, bless our Bible study as we dig in. Oh, Father, I do want to lift up our businessmen here today. Father, do you continue to provide for them? Father God, give them accounts, uh, Lord, that they never imagined. And, Father, when people um, get their bids, Lord God, that, that they would somehow be favored that you might give them favor, Father, to take the job and do it, and do it correctly, and to do it, Father, that they might know that you, they are Christians, and they follow after Jesus Christ. And let our names glorify you who sits on a throne.
and to you be the glory. I want to pray for Bob Muller and his family, Lord, Derek, his son-in-law, his uh, daughter, Luann, Father God, and his wife, Lord God. They need a touch from you. The family's struggling right now. We put them into your hands, Lord. And you said, to ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, and to knock and the door shall be opened. And then you said, to everyone who asks, he receives. So, Father, we're going to believe it before we see it. We're going to speak health, life, Father, into this family. And not only them, Lord, but those that are out there right now, Father, struggling financially, spiritually, and physically, Lord, we lift them up in Jesus' name. Father, to you be the glory. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay. We left off at like verse 18 of Genesis chapter 9, but I want to start reading. I'm going to read from the New King James here. I want to start reading about the the 16th verse, I believe, just to touch up because we finished on the rainbow last week, but I want to touch on it just to refresh our memory. Verse 16 of Genesis chapter 9. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature and all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So God has made a covenant. He's never going to destroy the earth again. And the rainbow in the sky is for that purpose. Nobody's going to steal that rainbow from God, I'm going to tell you right now, because they'll have the last laugh on it. You know, the rainbow tells us that God will not destroy the earth again by, by flood. And he, notice, he even made this covenant with the animals. That means he's serious, you know. I mean, he, he even includes the animals in this. The animals, unfortunately, had to suffer because of man's evilness. His heart was continually evil, says the scriptures, before the flood. Anyway, that, the rainbow, every time you see a rainbow, remember, think of God. He put that in the sky. I told you the earth was tropical before the flood. The earth was tropical. There was no rainbow. There was not any rain that came down from the sky. It was tropical. The, the springs fed the earth, and the whole earth was tropical. North Pole, South Pole, everything was tropical. But when the flood came, God said he opened up the windows of heaven and the floodgates of the earth, and the and water came from both directions, down and up, because of the water vapor barrier that was around the whole earth, which heated the whole earth from the rays of the sun. So, the earth was tropical. And then, of course, you know, we studied it a little bit. I told you the earth was hit in many places on the earth with, uh, with uh, asteroids and meteors and all that stuff. Knocked the earth on a 23.5 degree axis. The waters receded and ended up freezing at the North and South Pole. And then the seasons began. And here we are today. We have seasons. Now, in Florida, the seasons aren't as great as up in New Hampshire where Claudia is right now. You know, it's a big difference. You know, even though it's chilly down here, you know, it, the seasons are much greater as you go as you go north. So we want to remember the covenant, the sign 
of the rainbow in the sky. It's a beautiful thing. It's made up by water and, and air particles, and it's just beautiful. And why is it always the same colors in that order? Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet. You know, why is it always that color? You think, you know, it has to be a, a mastermind behind it, and that's God, of course. But anyway, so we move into the 18th verse of, uh, of uh, Genesis chapter 9, and we see the sons of Noah and Noah himself, and we're going to see a tough area of Scripture. We're going to read from 18 to verse 29, okay? Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Cana, Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. Then Noah began to be a farmer, he, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may his dwell in the tents, may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood, Three hundred and fifty years, so all the days of Noah were nine hundred and fifty years, and he died. So now we see the sons of, of Noah. And I named this message, if you look online, when it's, when it's online, you'll find out I named it The Dangers of Apathy. And we're going to see some of them as we move through. There's a lot more in this than just that, but we're going to capitalize on some of that. Okay, um, we see in verse 18, from outset we're told him was the father, we're told that he was the father of Canaan. Okay, Ham was the father of Canaan. Next chapter we're going to see a little more detail, which I don't plan on spending a lot of time on that if, when we get to that chapter, chapter 10. Noah's three sons, Shem was the oldest, according to the scriptures, Ham was the middle child, and Japheth's the youngest. You can find that out in Genesis chapter 5, verse 32, that Japheth is the youngest. From these three, the earth was populated. So it, it confirms here that the flood was uh, was completely the earth. It, w it was a global flood. That's, that verse just confirms it. More important, all nations and civilizations evolved or derived from these three men. As I mentioned last week, everyone in this room, everyone on air, on air, in the air, is uh, 
we're, we're sons and daughters of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And we're all sons of, of Noah. Remember, Cain's line was destroyed. You know, there is no Cain, line of Cain on the earth today. Don't get that confused with Canaan, as we're going to find out as we move along. Chapter 10, I said, goes more detail. But the next points are the dangers of apathy. You notice that Shem had, and Japheth had a different attitude toward the nakedness of their father. They put a pole on themselves with a, a, a blanket over it and walked backwards so they would not see their dad's nakedness. Okay? But Ham obviously saw it, and obviously uh, it could be anything. It could be he made fun of him. He could have done things to his dad. I mean, it's, it's kind of unclear. I didn't get too much into that. But he, and one thing for sure uh, we see in this is, is that drunkenness, Noah got drunk. Now, we can't tell whether there was alcoholic drink before the flood. It's not mentioned. This is the first mention of drunkenness in the Scriptures. So I don't know. Did, did uh, grapes become fermented after the flood? Maybe before the flood they weren't. Let's think, of that. think about this. If there was no drunkenness before the flood, the earth was really evil. Because drunkenness inhibit, you know, uh, inhibits you and to do things that you don't, don't, shouldn't have done. Like drunkenness is always connected with shame in the Bible. If you look in through the Bible, every time you see drunkenness, it is connected to shame and foolishness and sinfulness. So drunkenness is, is not, you know, you can't just play around with drunkenness. Now, the Bible doesn't forbid drinking alcoholic beverages, but it does forbid getting drunk. Listen, this is Noah. He got drunk, and something really happened. I don't know exactly what it is, and I'm going to touch on a few of them as we go along. But, you know, there's a parallel here into the New Testament that God does not see our nakedness if we are in his son. Who says Jesus ain't in the scriptures? You know, well, we know it from Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 that Jesus is the one who spoke and all things were created. That's backed up by Colossians and several other scriptures in the New Testament. Jesus is the creator. God does not see our nakedness or our faults he sees us perfected in Christ's righteousness. Thank God that God doesn't see our faults. Or thank God that he doesn't see our nakedness. Because we're wretched inside. I always tell everybody, and they might not like what I say, but I say that God, God made a choice years ago, and he chose not to see your sin and my sin through the blood that covers us that is his son's blood. He can't see our sin through this, the blood covering of Jesus Christ if you have been redeemed through the blood of Christ. He made the choice not to do that. Jude 24, 
There's only one chapter in Jude, so verse 24 says, To him who is able to present you faultless before his glorious throne. So you are faultless before the glorious throne of Almighty God if you are cleansed or redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, some of the dangers of apathy here, drunkenness is first appears here in the Bible, and it's always connected with shame. Here it's connected with shame, and all through the Bible it's connected with shame. The Bible suggests you have more to lose by being drunk than you have to gain. You always seem to lose. Well, you always lose in the long run. You might get some consolence for a little while, but after a while, you're, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you. It's going to affect the way you live. Proverbs 20 in verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a rager. Whoever is deceived by it is not wise. Drunkenness can deceive you. It's a rager. It's a mocker. It, you know, you know, a lot of people that get drunk, they're just, they're just violent. Some of them call them blackout drunks, where they don't remember anything they did. So, if you limit your wine to what the New Testament says, like if you have an ailing stomach, you drink a little wine. My dad was told by his doctor when he had a heart attack in his 40s that he needed to drink a glass of wine every day. I believe it was red wine every day. And he was, he, I don't know if the doctor said this, but I'm going to add to it. And, of course, the doctor said, don't take all seven days and drink them on Friday night. <laughs> you drink one glass of wine a day. You know, I know I have a relative in our family, Liz and I, that they said all their lives, I don't think they were Christian, they never drank a drop. But they're older now, they're in their 80s, okay? And the doctor told them to drink a glass of wine every day. And that was hard for them to do because they didn't want to drink any wine. But the doctor said, it's good for you. It's good for you. It's okay to drink a wine. The Bible doesn't condemn it. It condemns drunkenness. It's connected according to Proverbs 20, verse 1. It's a mocker. It means you, you, you're mocking people. You're causing trouble. It's, it's a rager. You get, some people get violent. Whoever is deceived by it, it's, you're not wise. You're not a wise man or a woman. If you get drunk, you can have a glass of wine. Just don't get drunk. That's it. Even Noah failed on this one. Listen, if, it, if Noah failed, I can guarantee you, you're going to fail. And I'm going to fail. Because this man was a hero of the Bible. Titus 1.7 I'm not going to turn to Titus 1.7 if you want to turn there. Titus 1.7 is talking about elders or leaders in the church. Come on, Titus. 1.7, here it is. 
For a bishop or an elder or a deacon, you could say, even go into the deacon because they're leaders in the church. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed. In other words, you know, thinking of others more important than himself, not quick-tempered. Well, this wine tells you that if you're a rager, you're quick-tempered, okay? Not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, and self-controlled. So, we can see that, you know, the Bible speaks against drunkenness, and as I said, it's always connected to shame, foolishness, and sinfulness in the Bible. Someone once said, a night of sin is followed by a morning of regret. And I'll tell you what, people that get drunk end up regretting what they did the day before. Drunkenness is also causes you to lose your inhibitions. Alcohol is a depressant. It loosens you up. But most people, when they're depressed, they go take a depressant and make things worse, not better. A depressant loosens you up. You, you know, it depresses you. You can lose your self-control. You obviously lack wisdom at this point and even balance and judgment. You're just making things worse. You're better off instead of going for a glass of wine or beer or alcohol and getting drunk. You're better off getting on your knees. A man is never taller than he's on his knees. I can guarantee you that. You, you've got to get on your knees and call out to God. The Holy Spirit, when you call out to God, is more of a stimulant. And he has the total opposite effect of drunkenness. He influences you for the better. And even the Ephesians, Paul, when he wrote to the Ephesian church in chapter 5, he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. That's right. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you're depressed, don't run to the bottle. Get on your knees and pray and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Call upon the Holy Spirit for help. If you turn to Proverbs 23, you'll find out more things about wine. You know that, that um, it's not good to get drunk. Listen, 50% of all rapes involve alcohol. Did you know that? 50% statistics. 50% of all alcohol and of all rapes are involving alcohol. Not a good thing. 100,000 more, plus 100,000, die each year from alcohol-related deaths. It's okay to have a glass of wine, but don't get drunk. 
Some people I know, they'll have one glass of wine, that's it. Some people might could have two, but that's it. It's done. Drunkenness also is connected to disrespect for others, and we see that here with Ham. He disrespected his father in some way, whether it was just seeing his dad naked in the tent because he was drunk and dad took off all his clothes. He was happy that he saw his dad sinning, and he made a mockery of it to his brothers and probably more people than that at this point. Don't forget, time had passed because Noah was a farmer, and he just didn't grow grapes overnight. And he probably didn't know that, that it, it was fermented. I don't know. We don't know, really, but it's an assumption. But Ham showed an evil heart by telling others. He was bragging, even to his brothers, but his brothers didn't want any, anything to do with that. They took the blanket, of course, and, and uh, walked backwards so that they didn't see their dad, and they covered their dad up. Now, there's people read more into this than, than what I'm just saying, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I might even mention them as we move along. A night of sin is always followed by a morning of regret. Gret, in verse 24, so Noah awoke. And listen to the next, next few words. And he knew what his younger son had done to him. He knew what his younger son had done to him. Let's see, what that is verse 24. Let get to this chapter. This is the New American Standard. I'm in 10, sorry. 24. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his younger son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servants. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be the servant. So we can see there's, there's a blessing passed on to Shem. We know what that blessing is because the Messianic line from Scripture comes from Shem. We also know that, that Japheth was uh, obviously a good son, but, but Ham was... Um, was uh, what can I say? He wanted to flaunt and tell people about somebody else's sin and his father. Back in the olden days, you know, there, there you were to respect your father. Now today, you know, the, the, a lot of kids have moved off of that. You know, we respect your father. I know I respected my father. My father taught, told me something. I wished I would have did, did it immediately when he told me stuff. But I know people that, that uh, actually punch their father in the nose. I mean, that is disrespect. Did you know that there is a, there is a, a, uh, a promise that comes along with honoring your father and your mother? And it says that your days will be long upon the earth. If you disrespect your father and your mother, 
I believe it can hinder the length of your life of disrespect for them. You got to be careful. Your mother and father are deserving of respect, even if you don't think they are. They're deserving of respect. How did Noah find out about his younger son had done to him? Some suggest possibly he was continuing to gossip. So we see gossip in this. Gossip is connected to drunkenness. They go around bragging about what they did. A lot of, I've, heard, I've watched it on TV, those law, law, uh, law and order shows that a lot of times, you know, guys will get drunk, they'll go to the bar and brag about what they did. They robbed a bank or did this, and then they end up getting caught because they, they're braggers. Becoming uncovered in the scriptures, so, uh, nakedness is sometimes connected to sexual relations. Okay? Sometimes. Not all the time. You can turn to Leviticus 18, verse 6 through 20, and you can find that out. We're not going to go there. So, it can be something sexual happened here. Okay, I don't know what it is. It doesn't really say. But, you know, becoming uncovered is connected sometimes, not all the times, to a sexual relation of some kind. His son could have took advantage of him or even molested him. Now, I'm not saying he did, but I, it's very unclear. It's a shadow effect here. What God is saying, don't get drunk. That's basically it. Don't brag. Don't gossip. Honor your father and your mother. That's what God's saying here. Um, do you know that Shem and Japheth, here's what they operated by, Proverbs 17.9, which says this, love covers a multitude of sins. They love their dad. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if you know somebody that's sinning, you don't go around bragging about him sinning. You go to him and say, brother, um, I think you should stop that. So Ham is displaying hate by exposing his dad. Shem and Japheth love their dad, and they cover dad's nakedness. There's a biblical parallel here also. In Christ, God does not see your nakedness. Okay? He sees you perfected in Christ. I jumped ahead. I said that before. I was off my notes and in, in, in back, you know, before, before that. But, yeah, it's, it's, thank God. You know what? You think about Abraham. God said to Abraham, it's about chapter 20, 21, 22 in Genesis, God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, and go to the mountain, I tell you, and sacrifice him to me. Now, we know that Abraham had another son. You remember, to Hagar, the Ethiopian or the Egyptian girl, and her son's name was Ishmael. So God... Listen, Abraham had two sons, but yet God said, take your son, your only son. So do you see that God does not recognize the sin of the flesh of Abraham and Hagar and Sarah? He doesn't recognize Ishmael as the son. 
because he's the son of the flesh, and, and Isaac is the son of, of, of the, 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 the Lord, you know, son of, the son that leads to the Messianic line. And son of the promise is what I was looking for. He's the son of the promise. So God does not see our, what we do in the flesh. That's why you're born again. You're born again. Your spirit man is born again. Your, your flesh man and, and your soul man has to catch up. But God doesn't recognize. Thank God he don't recognize. After I got saved, thank God that he don't recognize the things I did prior to that. Your sins are washed away. You're whiter than snow. Though they be red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They will be, if they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Thank God for that. Now, you know that Canaan was cursed. Noah awoke. He actually cursed Canaan. Now, a lot of people connect Canaan with Africa. That's not absolutely true. Okay, Canaan was cursed. Do you know who the father of the Jebusites were? Canaan. You know who the father of the Amorites were? Canaan. You know who the father of the Hivites were? Canaan. Do you know who the father of the, uh, the uh, oh, these are a whole bunch of things here. The Sinites were Canaan. Do you know that all of those people were curses in the, in the they were, what can I say, they were, they were thorns in the flesh, and they were the thorns in the side of all of Israel because it stemmed from sin and disrespect and even drunkenness that Noah, I don't believe he even knew it at that point. So it's always connected, you know, Canaan is connected with these people and they sinned and they were, he was cursed and we find out that they became, they became thorns in Israel's side. Now Ham settled in Cush, which is Ethiopia, Mizoram, and Mizoram is the Egyptians, and Put is the Liberian, Libra, Libya people, and uh, Four is Canaan. So, you know, Ham's people settled in Africa, but they weren't all what Americans would call, uh, as, you know, uh, African uh, descent. They weren't all as I could say, uh, dark people, okay? They weren't. They were, they were several different. So don't con connect Canaan with, with that, okay? But look at the sin of Canaan actually affected others all the way down through the generations. He says that, Noah says, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. So Ham settled in Africa, Shem settled in Asia, and Japheth settled in Europe, pretty much. Some people connect this with the slavery, the bondage of the, the African people, but it's not always connected with that. It's just some of them. Okay?
and more actually accurately speaks of the struggles between the Hebrews and the Canaanites. Verse 26, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. Shem here is identified as the one that God blessed the Son, and he is into the line of Messiah. We know that it was Joshua who finally conquered um, the Canaan. Joshua conquered Canaan, but David was the one who hundreds of years later finally got into Jerusalem, which which the Jebusites owned at that time, and he conquered them. And then the Davidic kingdom began to start right there. So Joshua did not do what God told him to do, was go into all the land of the promised land and conquer it. And God said, you know, in in the scriptures that it was from, from the Jordan River all the way up past, I believe, Iran or Iraq, and all the way from the Jordan River all the way into the Mediterranean Sea. That was all it. So what happened? Joshua and all of Israel only completes about 10% of what God told them to conquer. And that's why we we have troubles, I think, in the world today. Because they were supposed to go through and they were supposed to wipe them all out. Remember? They were were, um, sacrificing babies, these these people, the... uh, these people that were, were in the land of Canaan, God wanted them all wiped out because they would pervert the nation of Israel. And as we read through the kings and first and second chronicles, we see that they did pervert. Israel did begin to worship other gods. They did begin to sacrifice their children to a god called Molech. They began to do it, and everything was kind of destroyed but someday it's going to all change and in verse 27 says may God enlarge Japheth if you read Daniel chapter 5 you'll see that the sons of Japheth are the ones that conquered the Babylonians like Cyrus the Great And notice that Ham had become the slave of Shem and Japheth. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem, which tells you that they're having fellowship, but they're still a servant. And may Canaan be his servant. Verse 27. Canaan is to serve the Europeans. That's basically what that's saying. The theory of slavery on Shem's part is not true. It does not, um, that's not part of it. Just because you're of color does not mean you're an evil person. <laughs> okay? Noah had another. Remember the last verse here. Noah lived 350 years after the flood, 
So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So Noah was 650 years old when he died, okay? He lived after the flood another 350 years. Now, and he died at 950 years of age. The implication here could be that Noah had other sons and daughters. We're not sure. It's not listed. But he lived another 350 years. So he could have had other sons and daughters. But obviously it isn't written in the book here. So if you do the math, listen to these things. If you do the math, Adam, Noah, outlived Adam by about 20 years. Also, Noah outlived Seth by about 38 years because the, the age of began to deteriorate, if you remember right, after the flood. Also, two years after Noah's death, if you do the math again, Abraham is born. So you can't take the earth and say this earth is a million years old. It don't work. If you do go to the scriptures and go through the, the gene genealogies, you will find these things out. And we know, you know, that Abraham's father was Terah of Ur. That's, that's about, oh, I don't want to get into chapter 10 because it's more of what we just went through, maybe a little bit more detailed, but we're going to go up and go into chapter 10 next week, and, uh, and uh, we'll see some more in Genesis, okay? Next week and the week after that, I think, is Christmas Eve, and we will not be here, okay? So, let's pray. Father, thank you, Father, for the insight we got today. Thank you, Lord, that, that um, you know, that you showed us many things that we, we needed to know, Lord. There's some Christians out here, Lord, that, that struggle with drunkenness. Lord God, we pray, Lord God, that you help them overcome this problem. I know and I've ministered to many over the years. Lord God, and they need some help. Father, not only, you know, they're just hooked on it, Lord, and we need they need help. So, Father, we pray for them. Lord, help them to see that, that they lose more than they gain by being drunk. And, Lord, let them know, too, that... <coughs> let them know, too, that... that they can have victory through Christ who strengthens them. The scriptures are very clear that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Lord. So help them to do so. Help them to see, Lord God, that, that um, drunkenness lowers their inhibitions. Help them to see that it's a depressant, and they're already depressed when they drink. Or they, they think they're happy, maybe, but inside they're looking for something, or they wouldn't be looking at the bottom end of a bottle. So, Lord, we know that statistics aren't good. 50% of all rapes involve alcohol, and 100,000-plus people every year die from alcohol-related deaths. We can see, and I know people, Lord, that are drunkards, and they are disrespectful to their parents. And, Lord, 
I pray that they learn respect, that they can live longer upon the earth, because right in the Ten Commandments, it tells us to honor our father and mother, that our days will be long upon the earth. Help them to have good hearts and not brag about somebody's sin. Help them to help them get over it. And Lord, we need all the help we can get down here. People know these things, but they need delivered from them because they're in bondage to these things. Father, I know you've delivered me from many things. I know you delivered a lot of our congregation from many things. And I pray that they can know that you can deliver them from whatever their problem is, drugs, alcohol, pornography. First, they have to do what Jesus came on the scene doing, what, what John the Baptist came on the scene doing, what Isaiah and Jonah and Ezekiel came on the scene doing. They said, repent, turn away from your sins. And Lord, I hope, I pray that today people who are listening that are struggling with some of these things will no longer be apathetic, but they would call upon your name for help. And you promised, Lord, if we call upon you, we will be saved. And we, you, we, you, you promised us that if we call upon you and ask and seek and find and knock, you will grant it to us. So help us, Lord. Sometimes you deliver immediately, and sometimes, Lord, it might take a while. But Lord God, I pray that you give them courage, strength, wisdom to run away from this destructive part of their life that to you be the glory for for them lord let bring let them bring glory to your name in jesus name amen amen god bless you church love you all